Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John, and here on this podcast, we give what I like to call blue jeans theology. That is theology that is rooted in the language of everyday life, theology for everyday life, so that you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. And our whole goal is for you and me and all of us to be the people of God who actually follow Jesus and live out his ways in our world and in our sphere of influence so that we can we can be a city set on a hill so that people can see the wisdom and the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And so that's the goal. That's the goal. The goal is not just to know the Bible. The goal is to learn the Bible and live the Bible according to the ways and wisdom of Jesus. And I put together a number of resources to help us do that. And one of those resources is a free little guide on my website simply called Seven Ways to Immediately Get More Out of the Bible. That Sometimes reading the Bible is challenging, and we need to remember that we have to read the Bible really with kind of both our head and our heart engaged. We want to read it in such a way that we really understand what's being said, and sometimes that's hard, challenging, right? And it's written to original audience, in an original culture, in a different language, and translated to, to our language. And so we have to read with our head, and yet at the same time we have to read with our heart so that we're engaging with God and building our relationship with Him. And this little document, Seven Ways to Help You uh, get Immediately Get More Out of the Bible, will just help you read it both those ways, help you understand maybe some of the questions to ask, point you even towards some resources you can use to try to understand it more as ways you can read it to try to engage with God more. So that's totally free. I'll put a link in the notes down below where if you want to check that out, might help you actually just read the Bible more deeply, more fully this year as you seek God through reading his word. And also I want to give a quick shout out to two new donors who have joined the team. As many of you know, this ministry is made possible in a large part by the generosity of people just like you. And so thank you to John and thank you to Susan who uh, joined the team of donors who uh, make uh, possible for me to really provide so much free material between the listener's commentary, the weekly podcast, online resources, and a number of other things I do just to try to help people learn and live the Bible. So thanks to each and every one of you who are part of that team of donors that support the show, and underwrite the cost of this ministry. And thank you especially to John and Susan who have joined that team here in the last couple of weeks. All right, we are in a new series that we started in last week's episode uh, where we're looking at some of the words of Jesus that are just hard to understand. What did Jesus mean by fill in the blank? And there are a number of passages that listeners and uh, friends on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook have sent in my way where they're just like, man, this one needs some explaining to me, or I'm confused by that. And so we're wrestling with some of these more challenging, difficult, confusing teachings of Jesus that we just want to try to wrap our head around and understand a little bit. And the the question that comes in today is specifically about two passages where the listener said, man, it's hard to try to put these two together. Here's what she wrote. She said, uh, this passage where Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except by me, and 
the another passage where Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him, and it feels like a catch-22. You can't come to Jesus unless God draws you, but you can't get to God unless, uh, except through Jesus. How do you put those together? Because it sort of feels like it's a catch-22, and it's a good question. And it's a question wrestling with what these two texts are actually saying. How do we put these two statements of Jesus together? And what do they teach us about really being the people of God and coming to God through Jesus? The first passage that uh, is dealt with here is John 14, John 14, 6, specifically, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's John 14, 6. And John 14 is the very night before Jesus is crucified. He's with his apostles gathered together in the upper room celebrating the Passover and in that setting, he has a number of things he wants to say to them to try to prepare them for what's about to happen and the, the transition that's really going to happen in their lives as a result of what's about to happen to Jesus with being crucified and then eventually resurrected and then them being commissioned to be his official representatives to the world. And so you get what is traditionally called in New Testament circles, the upper room discourse, where Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room. That's John 14. And uh, let me read you, uh, beginning in verse 1, down through verse 6, so you can kind of hear the context of what Jesus is saying there. And then we'll look at uh, John 6, and then we'll try to put those two together. It's this, John 14, verse 1 says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you can also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Well, at that point, Thomas jumps in and just says, wait a second, Jesus, could you clarify some things for us? And so Thomas jumps in and says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? In other words, we don't even know exactly what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you, I'll come to you, and you know where I'm going and how to get there. And Thomas is like, no, we don't. We don't even know where you're going, and we don't know the way. And Jesus replies to that with the well-known words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The implication there and the full context of Thomas's question and Jesus' answer is, I'm going to the Father, and I'm preparing a place for you with the Father, um, and the way to the Father is through me. No one comes to the Father through me. So that's his answer to Thomas's question. Now, John 6 is a little bit more uh, challenging. There's a little bit more going on. In fact, John 6 is a massive chapter, super long, and it is a really long discussion of Jesus where he is saying really about himself that he's the bread of life. That's what initiates the specific text that we're going to look at here. Jesus has said he's the bread of life, and, and not only that, he's the bread of life who has come down out of heaven. And in John 6, he's comparing himself to the manna that God sent in the uh, Old Testament during the time of the Exodus. So God sent bread, i.e. manna, during the Exodus for 
the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, uh, being led by Moses to eat so that they would not grow hungry, right? And so as they're living as nomads in the wilderness there under the Exodus, God sends uh, bread out of heaven, manna. Well, Jesus in John 6 is comparing himself to that and saying, he's the true bread of life that has come out of heaven, that is given for the nourishment of the world, and that anyone who feeds on him, his bread, right, his teaching, his wisdom, him um, will never die but have eternal life. That's the question, all right? That's what he is dealing with here in John 6. But having said that has prompted then a reaction by his original audience as he's uh, with them. They're like, wait a second. How can he say he's the bread that's come down out of heaven when we know where he comes from? Like we know, like his mom and dad, we know where he grew up. We know, right, like the house where he was at when he was a kid. So how does he say he came down out of heaven? That's what initiates all this. Let me read beginning in John chapter 6, verse 41. It says this, so then the Jews which usually the word, the phrase the Jews in John's gospel means the Jewish leadership, not just all Jews, but particularly the Jewish leaders who are opposed to Jesus and opposed to his teaching and just don't get him at all. And so, uh, so then the Jews who were complaining about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus knows they're kind of debating this and wrestling this amongst themselves. So Jesus answered and said to them, stop complaining among yourselves. And then he says this sentence that is at the heart of our question. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And so those that come to Jesus, Jesus will resurrect them on the last day, and they can only come to Jesus if the Father draws them. And then he says in verse 45, it's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Uh, that's important, that little line. We'll look at that text. That's from Isaiah 54. Everyone who heard, has heard and learned from the Father, Jesus goes on, comes to me. So um, everyone who has actually been taught from God comes to me. And not that anyone who not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father, meaning himself. So the only one who's really seen the Father is Jesus. Uh, truly, truly I say to you, the one who believes, specifically believes in Jesus, has eternal life. I am the bread of life, he restates. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am that living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give for the life of the world is also my flesh. And so he comes back to that whole bread theme there that really started this conversation. Now let's let's wrestle with John 6. And I think once we under John, understand John 6 in context, then we can see how it connects with John 14 and that um, that the two really do go together actually quite nicely in the teaching of Jesus, okay? So the specific challenge here is uh, verse 44. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And the questioner is asking, how does that sentence go with 
um, no one can come to the Father except through me. Those two seem to put you in a catch-22. So let's wrestle with verse 44 and what, what Jesus is getting at. What does he mean by no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him? That's the key issue. Draw him. Um, and the reason that shows up is because these guys, the Jewish leadership who are opposed to Jesus, are saying, wait a second, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense, right? Well, notice that um, Jesus clarifies what the drawing means, how someone is drawn to him in verse 45 uh, that follows. He says, it's written in the prophets, and so he's offering an explanation. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him, as it's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. That is a quote from Isaiah 54, verse 13. And in Isaiah 54, verse 13, we have to understand that to, to see how Jesus is thinking about things. And so if you're not super familiar with Isaiah, um, Isaiah 54 is a description of the Messianic community, the renewed people of God after the Messiah has come and has brought uh, salvation to the world. Isaiah 53, just before this passage, Isaiah 53 is the well-known description of the what is traditionally called in um, the book of Isaiah, the suffering servant. But Isaiah 53 is such a clear description of the work of the servant that it can be seen as the Messiah's work bringing peace to the world, right? And so the suffering servant is the Messiah who suffers on behalf of God's people and affects, therefore, salvation for all of God's people. Um, and so Isaiah 53 describes how uh, the servant was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is a description of the work of Jesus the Messiah. Well, chapter 54, from which Jesus quotes here in John 6, is then, here is the result of that. The servant has brought salvation. He has effected peace. He has formed God's people and, and made them new. And so what's the result of that? Well, now many people are going to come in. And so Isaiah 54, shout for joy, infertile one, you have not given birth. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you have not been in labor. For the sons of the def desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married one. And the whole point is, God's now going to welcome all these people into his family. And so uh, Isaiah 54 is a poem celebrating the result of the suffering servant's salvation and peace that he, he worked and brought in chapter 53. And in that context, um, as he comes down to the end of that poem, he describes God's people at the end as like this magnificent, beautiful, renewed city. And in that city, he says, all your sons will be taught of the Lord and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness, you will be established and you will be far from oppression for you will not fear. And so it's that that Jesus is quoting. And in that context, what we see is that a part of the great work of the Messiah, the suffering servant, is forming a people where 
everyone is learning from the Lord. They're all learning from the Lord. They're being taught. They're all disciples of the Lord and are learning from him. That's what's happening there in Isaiah 54. Well, Jesus quotes that here in John 6 as a description of what it means to be drawn by God. Um, he, and then he actually follows that up in the second half of verse 45, saying, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So if you're taught of God, if, you're a, if, if God is really your teacher um, and you are really his disciple, you will come to Jesus. You will listen to Jesus. That's the point, okay? So let's summarize where we're at. People can only come to Jesus if the Father draws them. This drawing is described as being taught by God as pictured in the poem in Isaiah 54 that's a result of the, the Messiah's suffering, atoning work. Jesus is the suffering servant, the Messiah, and so Jesus is the way, this is Jesus' point in John 6, Jesus is the way people now are being taught by God. So if, if you want to claim God as your father, you have to listen and obey Jesus. You cannot claim God as your father if you aren't taught by God by listening to and responding in faith to Jesus. That's the point here in John 6. Only those who see, hear, and respond in faith to Jesus are those that are drawn by God and taught by him as Isaiah described in the Messianic community, the renewed, restored people of God formed in the Messiah. So the implication for Jesus's original audience in John 6 is that if they don't respond in faith to Jesus, then they are outside of the beautiful, restored community of God's people that's celebrated in Isaiah 54. So a person is drawn by hearing the Father's voice and learning from him, and the proof that this has happened is a positive, faithful response to Jesus. And this is consistent in John's Gospel, where Jesus actually accuses the Jews of having Satan as their father because they don't respond in faith to him. Let me read this to you uh, from John chapter 8. Jesus says, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. And the Jews answered him and said, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if, Ab if you are Abraham's children, well, then do the deeds of Abraham. What are the deeds of Abraham? responding in faith and faithfulness to what God has told them to do. Now that is being communicated through Jesus. So do the deeds of Abraham, verse 40. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born as a result of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came forth from God and am here. For I have not even come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot listen to my word. 
you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he can't stand the truth because there's no truth in him. All throughout John's gospel, Jesus makes this point, and then John is showing us, Jesus making this point, that Jesus is sent from God. Jesus speaks on behalf of God. So if God really is going to be your father and you are going to be taught by God, you will listen to Jesus. If you don't listen to Jesus, then God's not really your father and you're really not taught by him. And that's what Jesus means in John 6 when he says, no one can come to me unless the father draws him. Like If you don't have God as your father and you're not willing to be taught by God, then you're not going to respond in faith to Jesus. And so the point in context uh, of this is that being drawn by the Father doesn't refer to uh, some sort of divine illumination or mystical drawing per se. It refers to listening to God's word, God's teaching, and obeying it. And now God's word is being communicated through and revealed in Jesus. And the fact that the Jews are unwilling to listen to Jesus proves that God really isn't their father, that they haven't really been taught by God as those who are part of the restored, renewed, messianic community promised in Isaiah certainly have. And thus, they're not children of God, and thus they're outside of the messianic community. They're outside of the new restored people of God as formed in Christ. That's the point of John chapter 6. And so how does that go with John 14? Well, actually quite simply, right? Like when it comes right down to it and we under, understand John 6 in its original context, and then we look at John 14, they're actually saying essentially the same thing. The way to the Father is Jesus. Both are saying that. And if you don't listen to him and respond in faith to him, then God's not your Father. Then God's not the one you're actually listening to and being taught by. And so both John 6 and John 14 are really making the same point. They're just answering two different specific questions. And so it sounds a little different at first until we actually read it very closely and understand what's being said. The way to the Father is Jesus. And if you respond in faith to him, then God is your Father, and you are being taught by God, and you're part of God's newly formed people in the Messiah. But if not, then you're on the outside looking in. And that's what Jesus is getting at in John 14 and John chapter 6. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible Life Podcast. I pray that you and I will be people who are taught by God by listening to Jesus and living as his disciples. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week in Christ. Look forward to talking to you again next week.